should I should I noodle for a minute and then welcome or just start? Like welcome and just go. Sure. Just welcome? Sure. Okay. Good morning, Genesis. To those of you here in the sanctuary, to those of you in the fellowship areas, to those of you worshiping online, welcome. It is the time we set aside to be in community with each other and to reorient, to kind of return. Um, for me, it's like a retracing of the breadcrumbs I left through the week back to where I'm supposed to be. And that's um, what Sunday morning is for me, just a refocusing. I, I told my husband this morning that my hair was curly to match my insides because I feel very like wavy and frizzled in the inside. <laughs> so if you feel similarly coiffed or sold, then um, I invite you to just take a moment to just breathe in where you are, to see what you see, to taste the sweetness of the spirit and to just be grateful and thankful for this time together, whatever you bring to it. It could be nothing. It could be a joyful heart. It could be a completely blank, deep well. Both of those things are welcome to God. So let's worship together. I invite you to stand if you're able, and if you'd like to. Praise God from whom all 
Come lay them down at the foot of the cross. Jesus is waiting for God so loved the I've been held in your hands From the moment that I wake up Until I lay my head I will sing of the goodness of God All my life you have been faithful All my life you have been so Of the goodness of God I love your voice You have led me through the fire In darkest night You are close like no other I've known you as a father I've known you as a friend I have lived in the goodness of God And all my life you have been faithful And all my life you have been so, so good With every breath that I am able I will sing of the goodness of God. Your goodness is running after, it's running after me. Your goodness is running after, it's running after me. With my life laid down, I'm surrendered now. I give you everything. Your goodness is running after, it's running
every breath that I am able, I will sing of the goodness of God. Oh, I will sing of the goodness of God. Father, we thank you for, amen. We thank you for that reminder. I myself have run so far ahead of you that I think I'm leading. And I thank you for this reminder that you are chasing after us and that being God, you will always win. Love always wins. And that means at the very end, but it also means every moment of my life and the people who trust in you, Father. So thank you for that corporate reminder today. We love you. Amen. You may be seated. Good morning, Genesis. My name is Kate, and I have the privilege of leading testimony time. And just a reminder, the reason we do this is it says in Revelation that they defeat the enemy by the blood of the Lamb, which I think we'll be partaking in later, and by the testimony of the saints. And so when we open our mouths and we talk about God's goodness and what he has done in our lives, that is the biggest weapon we have against evil in this world and the brokenness of this world. And so together today, we can choose to do that. Um, I'll start and just, um, I do devotions in the morning with Bo every morning at nine. And it's available to anyone that's here if anyone wants a daily rhythm for a half hour. Well, this last one was kind of a funny one because Bo was in his chiropractor office waiting for his chiropractor to come doing devotions with us. And then his chiropractor comes in and he introduces his chiropractor to all of us that were on Zoom doing devotions. So, um, well, when he hung up, then we had a really good discussion after it was talking about how Jesus said he would leave rivers of living water and that they would flow through us. And a couple of us had a conversation that we just felt real stagnant. It's like, oh man, if we are supposed to have, oh, there's Teresa, she's nodding. We are together in that. Um, that if we are supposed to feel the rivers of the living water, the rivers of living water from the Holy Spirit, and yet we kind of just feel like every day feels like, here we go again, gotta deal with the kids, gotta run here, gotta work, gotta, and it's just like, Oh, but what could be available to us? And so we kind of pause and we just ask God to move those rivers of living water through us. And it was, it didn't change. I mean, my whole day wasn't miraculously different, but there was this piece of me that was like, oh, that's available. And it was just such a good reminder of why we study the scriptures and why we talk about them with others, because we could have just read through that and I could have been like, well, I'm not feeling those living waters and moved on. But when we're connecting with others and talking about it and lamenting certain things and then reminding each other like oh it's available um it would just it felt special to me and so that's kind of i want to testify that god is wonderful because he uses scriptures to teach us and people to teach us and challenge us so that's my small testimony who would like to share and it can be something small it can be something big shout out to the hunters who are visiting it's nice to see you guys and i do want to say one of my other testimonies is i had a friend that was maybe moving here and they came to try out the church last week and he i said how was it and the first thing he said is andrew brought him so much joy that andrew's dancing was um instead of singing of the goodness of god i feel like andrew dances the goodness of god so thank you for that this morning too andrew does anybody have anything
let me do this without crying. I'm Patty. I've been here about eight months. And God is so good. I went down to see my daughter in Florida. She lost her first child 11 years ago. We have a wonderful grandson who was nine. And she informed me she is with child. God's will. It's a blessing. Um, they've been having difficulties getting the paperwork rolling because she is high risk. God's will. He put her in the hospital for 10 hours on Tuesday. She got to see the baby, the heartbeat, and all the paperwork is now rolling for her care. So God is good. Thank you for sharing. That's wonderful. Hello, church. Um, I'm going to keep this short if I can. It was a normal Friday a couple days ago, and I was just sitting relaxing in the living room when Mary's on the porch screaming to me, hurry up, there's an emergency, come out, come out. So I came outside and noticed that across the street, uh, my neighbor in her 40s was in her driveway completely down, not breathing. Uh, when I got there, my other neighbor was already there calling 911, holding her hands, encouraging her to breathe. I came and took her hands and did the same thing as we, we were, it's a sight you never want to see. Uh, the crews that came, it seemed like it took forever, but Mary said it took about three or four minutes. Compression started, uh, EMS came, and they took her to the hospital, and I talked to her every day every time I got an update. And the good news is it sounds like she's gonna be okay. But I'll tell you the prayers from our neighbors and our friends, and even just holding her hands, encouraging her, told me that there's a higher power that's helping her get through this. So something I never wanna see, but it sounds like it's gonna work out. So there you go. Get my steps today. Hi, I'm Gemma, and when I, I was away at camp this week with Manya and a bunch of other kids, and you know, it started off normal. Just we had a couple chapels, but by the end. I felt so much loved, and then I always realized that I was saved. Thank you, Gemma, that's awesome. Anybody else? Oh, Manya. Our fearless children's camp leader. <laughs> it was so much fun. So last week I was feeling kind of nervous about, or you know, like the last couple of weeks of like, I gotta prep, I gotta prep, what do I need? What, and, and like super excited, but also really anxious. And I opened up my devotional the one day and, and it was like, hi Nathan. And it was uh, basically the, the gist of it was, you bring what you have to the table and I will bring the rest. And I was like, okay, good. That's great. And it was amazing to be there at 50 um, and not 
you know, just like everybody else who was so fantastic and had the energy and knew the songs and, you know, like all the pieces that they could bring and that God could bring that I did not have. Um, and it was really, really fun. And I feel like we made great friends and learned a bunch. And two of our campers, a bunch of our campers learned 10 verses and two of our campers memorized all of Psalm 1, which is a lot of dedication. It was, it was really, really awesome. Um, that's all I got. Oh, I got one, I got more. And then one of our campers was really nervous about the zip line. And did she have to go? And I said, yes, she did, she had to go. And, but she was nervous. And I was like, doesn't matter, you're gonna be fine. There's a harness and all the things. And so as we were debating that, I was like, I didn't get to my devotions yesterday. Let's open them back up. And they were exactly the, you're going to be great. If you do hard things, then you find out that you can do hard things. And then, so God is faithful in all the ways. Thank you. Uh, it looks like we have one more camp. Were you a camper this week? Um, hi, I'm Mabel. I think that God really helped me and Annika memorize Psalms 1 because we did not have a lot of time and it's very long. Do you want to do it? Do you want to do it? Someone? Annika, do Mabel want to do it? You guys want to do it together? Who are my Psalm 1 kiddos? All right, why don't you two stand up here? Blessed is the person who obeys the law of the Lord. They don't listen to the advice of evil people. They don't follow, they don't make a habit of doing what sinners do. They don't join those who make fun of the Lord and his law. Instead, the law of the Lord gives them joy. They think about his law day and night. Those that kind, kind of, of person, that kind of person is like a tree that is planted near a stream of water. It always bears its fruit at the right time. Its leaves don't, don't dry up. Everything godly people do turns out well. Why? Oh, sinful people are not like that at all. They are like straw that the wind blows away. When the Lord judges them, life will come to an end. Love that, ladies. Congratulations. Anybody else? Oh, we got one over here. So I'm Ed. And I apologize for being late. So I cannot believe how often he shows himself to me, and I'm not even aware of it. So I spent the last couple of weeks up north uh, near the Sleeping Bear Sand Dunes, and I had a house up there, and I left some stuff, including a sailboat at a friend's house. And that was like three years ago. And he let me, you know, he let me moor it and do all that, but I was done with the sailboat. 
So while I was up there, I knew I had to transition that sailboat to someone else. And of course, I'm thinking, oh, I'm going to sell it and put some money in my bank. And I started thinking about selling it, you know, and I don't have a place there. I don't have someplace I can put it to sell it. And he just said to me, give it away. So I sent an email to my Bible study buddies up there saying I had this boat. And within like four hours, I get a text from a woman who says, I'm a friend of Mike's and I've got a son who's been using a sailfish and now he's over six feet tall and he needs your boat. And he came and they got it and the woman left a bottle of wine for me, which was not a big deal, but she sent me a picture later of the older boy and his brother sailing out on the lake. Man, God is good, huh? All the time. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, I'm going to turn this over to someone for announcements. Oh, looks like Nate. All right, we'll release the kids. Are they going to you, Amy? So Amy's here in the aisle. If you're a kid or a kid at heart, head out there. And I just have a few announcements before we uh, break for our connection time. If you see these green cards in the pew in front of you, we want to encourage you to fill that out to let us know that you're here. Or you can visit our uh, website. We have the digital green card online. So for those of you that are on Facebook or on Zoom, that option is there for you as well. You can take this physical green card if you fill it out here put it in that wooden box. It's also the place if you're not uh, giving online, if you brought tithe or your offering, you can put it in that wooden box as well. For those of you that are on Zoom and Facebook, uh, we are gonna take communion after the sermon today. So if you want to prepare to have that so you can participate with us, that would be awesome. Got a couple dates coming up that I'd like you to be mindful of. On July 30th, 5 to 6.30 p.m., we're going to have a newcomer's reception, and that's going to be at Deb and Roy's house. Would you guys stand up just so that people have a visual? So Deb and Roy are going to host newcomers to their house. If you want more info, you can talk to me, to them. Um, it's also in all of our print materials. But if you have not been to a newcomer's reception, you're welcome to attend that. Or if you're new to the community, uh, we'd love to have you. It's a great way to get to know each other and to know kind of what Genesis is about. On July 22nd, we're going to be putting our love into action. So we partner with the Central Detroit Christian Community Development Corporation, also shortened to CDC. It's a lot of words, but they've essentially claimed a zip code in Detroit and have been working uh, to restore and to reconcile in that community. Their work is beautiful. Um, from having a fishery to doing the vegetable truck to restoring houses that have been burned out. I mean, they're just 
they do all sorts of amazing work. And so on July 22nd from 9 to 3, we're going to have a Love and Action Day. Um, Allison and Michael will be leading the team. There's ways to sign up uh, through texting, on the website, through our email e-blast, and we would love to have you come out. If you're going to bring um, kids, they're welcome as long as they're uh, with adults and as long as they are above uh, 10. So please plan to join us on July 22nd for our Love in Action. The other way that we're partnering with CDC is to be part of getting kids ready to go back to school. So you'll see in the lobby, we have a coat hanger for new backpacks, but there's also information that we send out of how to connect through Amazon and just to purchase and to have it sent right to the CDC. But they do an amazing work in their neighborhood of giving backpacks and school supplies to kids to help support families. And so we invite you to be a part of that. We're gonna be collecting those here uh, starting today, ending August 13th. So find that info and please participate in blessing the CDC. For now, stand up, say hi to somebody next to you, greet the hunters, they're in row two. We'll have that line start here, go out front and then around the back side of the building. Good morning, everybody. If you, good morning. 
if you could wrap up. We're going to start. Hi, Andrew. Good morning. All right, here we go. Good morning. <laughs> um, hi, everybody. Hi, I'm Bonnie, and I get to teach about the parable of the sower from Matthew 13 this morning. I'm really looking forward to our time together. I think it's cool to look at Matthew, how Matthew laid out his book and this parable's place in the way that he's telling Jesus' story. So far in his book, Matthew has laid out who Jesus is, what Jesus said, what Jesus did, and how people responded to him. You might already know that the response to Jesus was mixed. Not everyone was happy with him or accepted what he taught or believed that he was from God. If you were here last week, Liz talked about some passages from chapter 11 and showed us that people complained and were not pleased with how Jesus acted. And then in chapter 13, Matthew starts relating Jesus's parables. The parable of the sower is the first one that he tells. And it's interesting that this first parable is also about people's responses to Jesus, what Matthew was just talking about in chapters 11 and 12. Matthew doesn't say why Jesus switched from direct teaching, like the Sermon on the Mount, to parables. Parables are stories of everyday situations that cast truth in a new light, showing the audience something they hadn't heard or thought about in a certain way before. Not everyone understood the point of his parables. When I read Matthew 13 in a couple of minutes, you'll hear Jesus say, anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. One commentator I read said, everyone hears Jesus, but only those with ears to hear really hear. So as I begin today, I'm going to pray for each of us to have ears to hear what the Holy Spirit is telling us. Let's pray. Dear God in three persons, thank you for your love that has brought us here. Thank you for these words that we get to read in the Bible and for your word with a capital W, Jesus, whom you sent to show us and tell us about you. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for being present with us and helping us to hear and understand. Thank you for what you have taught me that I'm sharing today. May we all have ears to hear what you are saying to us this morning. Amen. Okay, here we go. As I read the verses we have been given for this morning, you can follow along on the screen or in your Bible. As I read, Please watch and listen for the times that Jesus uses the words, listen and hear. Matthew 13, one through nine. Later that same day, 
Jesus left the house and sat beside the lake. A large crowd soon gathered around him, so he got into a boat. Then he sat there and taught as the people stood on the shore. He told them many stories in the form of parables, such as this one. Listen, a farmer went out to plant some seeds. As he scattered them across his field, some seeds fell on a footpath, and the birds came and ate them. Other seeds fell on shallow soil with underlying rock. The seeds sprouted quickly because the soil was shallow, but the plants soon wilted under the hot sun, and since they didn't have deep roots, they died. Other seeds fell among thorns that grew up and choked out the tender plants. Still other seeds fell on the fertile soil, and they produced a crop that was 30, 60, or even 100 times as much as had been planted. Anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. And our text for this morning continues in verse 18. Now listen to the explanation of the parable about the farmer planting seeds. The seed that fell on the footpath represents those who hear the message about the kingdom and don't understand it. Then the evil one comes and snatches away the seed that was planted in their hearts. The seed on the rocky soil represents those who hear the message and immediately receive it with joy. But since they don't have deep roots, they don't last long. They fall away as soon as they have problems or are persecuted for believing God's word. The seed that fell among thorns represents those who hear God's word, but all too quickly the message is crowded out by the worries of this life and the lure of wealth, so no fruit is produced. The seed that fell on good soil represents those who truly hear and understand God's word and produce a harvest of 30, 60, or even 100 times as much as has been planted. Did any of you hear the words listen or hear in these 15 verses? Jesus said listen twice. And in the explanation, he calls each soil those who hear. I skipped verses 10 through 17 because I was asked to teach on 1 through 9 and 18 to 23. But I really want you to know that verses 10 through 17 are actually all about listening and hearing. Those words appear several times each, and Matthew quotes a passage from Isaiah about how the Messiah would come and not everyone would have ears to hear and understand. So even as we see listening and hearing being an important theme in the verses we read, know that this is emphasized even more in the verses that we skipped. As I was beginning to study this parable and prepare for this morning, God gave me an ears to hear moment, is how I thought of it, where he gave me insight into the parable and also showed what Jesus was saying when he said, anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. I was out in my yard, planting grass in a bare spot, not thinking about the parable at all. We had bought a jug of the grass seed that comes with its own fertilizer, and it's supposed to be super easy to grow, which I need because I've not been successful about growing grass ever, but I was giving it another try. And as someone with my personality type does, I was reading the directions on the back before starting, and I saw that there were three simple steps. I read step one, prep. Prepare the area you want to grow grass by removing dead grass and loosening hard soil. 
And as I started to do that, the thought just hit me. Why didn't the sower prep the soil in the parable? Why didn't the sower prep the soil? And then I just like went down this trail of all these ideas and questions like, is this something the original audience would have thought of right away? Because <laughs> um, I bet anyone with a farming background or a garden would have been much quicker than I was to realize that the sower had missed a really important step. It's kind of a standard step. I'm only in my third year of having a vegetable garden, so I'm learning and noticing new things all the time. My neighbor is an expert and has his own rototiller, which our two-year-old loves. And he kindly tilled my strip of garden the last two years. And before he tilled this year, the ground was hard and full of weeds. But the tilling uprooted the weeds and buried them deep enough that they died. And I had an empty patch of loose, easy to plant soil. And as I was planting, I noticed a huge difference in how easy it was to plant in the tilled soil versus the hard soil in this one corner where the rototiller couldn't reach. And I also thought about a show that Daniel and I watched recently called Clarkson's Farm. Um, I don't know if some of you have watched it too. And I thought about all the steps the farmers went through, including the work of preparing the field, and how without any of the steps, the yield in the end would be so much less. So there I am in my garden having all of these thoughts. I wondered, if it's so important to prepare the soil, then why didn't the sower do that before scattering the seed? Does God not prep the people before he scatters his word? And two thoughts came to my mind. Maybe this generous scattering is pointing to God's grace. We are all invited and included, no matter our condition, our hard-heartedness, our shallowness, or distractedness, our character or behavior or choices. God is still scattering his word, offering himself to us. And secondly, if we are people who are trying to listen and say yes to God, he might invite us to be the sower for others. We might feel pressure to prepare the soil and get top results. But if he's asking us to sow, let's be faithful to sow and leave the rest in his hands. So I got all of that out of a flash of insight, standing in my yard with bare feet, holding a jug of grass seed. And I'm grateful because it didn't come from me. Understanding of the ears to hear variety comes from God. We will see the words listening and hearing continue to come up. But right now, I want to take a closer look at some of the pictures in this parable, starting with the seed. What is the seed? that the sower is scattering? What are we meant to be hearing? I used to read this parable strictly in the context of evangelism. I visualized the seed as the message about the kingdom to mean telling people the gospel, the good news that God loves them, is offering forgiveness of sins, and wants a relationship with them. But as I studied these verses more, I noticed a progression in Jesus' interpretation, it goes from those who hear the message about the kingdom with the first soil to those who hear the message in the second soil to those who hear God's word with the third soil. So it looks like this doesn't have to just be about hearing that Jesus came to reconcile us to God. 
and then passing along that message to others. Maybe it's also about hearing and responding to a variety of God's words and the Holy Spirit's prompting. What is the seed in your life? Where and how does God throw seeds into you? What is he asking you to listen to? I hear God the most when I actually slow down and stop and listen. He sometimes emphasizes words and ideas when I'm reading the Bible or other books. I'm not a big podcaster, but I've heard many of you tell stories about things you've learned from podcasts. God occasionally gives me interesting and significant dreams. I've heard words from God in my head when I'm praying, both interceding for others and when I'm crying out. The seed is often a word of truth, such as a reminder of his love for us. It is sometimes a prompting. Many of you have shared stories at testimony time about hearing nudging from God and then what happened when you followed it. So the seed can be many things. I'm gonna talk next about our response to the seed, to what we hear. Jesus gave several reasons why a seed might not grow and produce fruit. I see myself in all the types of soil that he mentions. For example, a person who hears like the path, hears the message about the kingdom and doesn't understand it. Then the seed gets snatched away. At times I don't understand things, so I forget them, even though they could have been a life-changing bit of truth that God offered. I'm also the rocky soil, someone who hears the message and immediately receives it with joy, but the roots don't go down deep enough to hold the plant when trouble comes. Looking back, I see times when I let hard things make me resistant to God and then stifled growth that he wanted to bring. In his grace, he will redeem that later too. You know, it doesn't have to stay there, but I see times when I am that soil. I'm also like the weedy soil. I'm distracted by things in my life that crowd out opportunities to respond to what he's doing. My weeds take up space and leave less room for the seeds God is planting. Praise him for his grace that sometimes I do hear and say yes to what he's saying. And like the good soil, God produces fruit in me. One key about the good soil is this fruit that it produces, 30 or 60 or 100 times what was planted. That's what makes it the good soil. When I think about fruit, the passage that comes to mind first is the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians 5, the list of character traits that the Spirit can bring to fruit in our lives is probably familiar. I bet many of you have memorized it at some point. Uh, my daughter was reciting it on the way home from camp yesterday, so I think you memorized it there. <laughs> um, I'm going to read those two verses right now from Galatians 5, 22 and 23. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. If given the choice, I think all people would like to have joy and peace. It's an obvious improvement over the opposite of sadness 
and anxiety. And love is good too. I'd much rather be patient and self-controlled in a trying situation than shouty, which unfortunately happens too often for me. And we can all see the value in being kind, good, faithful, and gentle. It feels good to be like that, and we want to be around people like that. But I think we have an opportunity this morning to think about these traits as more than just things to want, to aspire to, and to try to be. Soil can try and try and try to grow tomatoes. But until someone plants tomatoes, the soil will just stay soil. Or it'll start to grow whatever passing seed happens to fall into it. These verses about the Spirit's fruit help to point me in the right direction. It's like God telling the garden what he's planning, plant, planning to plant in it. <laughs> but the soil does have to cooperate. It has a role in the process. Jesus points to our role, listening and responding. Galatians 5.25, just a couple verses after the ones I read, says, Since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. I found another example of fruit in 2 Corinthians 1, 3-4. It said, God is our merciful Father and the source of all comfort. He comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort others. When they are troubled, we will be able to give them the same comfort that God has given us. This is a great example of God sowing a seed and then the results being multiplied when he, what he gave gets shared. The fruit of the Spirit and God's comfort are examples from the Bible of spiritual fruit. I wonder what we could learn by extending the metaphor and thinking about real fruit. So I want you to picture your favorite fruit for a minute. Two of my favorite fruits grow in Michigan in the summer, strawberries and peaches. I just want to say, though, strawberries and peaches from the store are not my favorite fruits because they're not the same as the ones that you get if you pick them in the orchard or field or buy them at the farmer's market when they were picked ripe. So when I think about my favorite fruit, I also think about the seasons when they grow because late June just goes with strawberries and August just goes with peaches. We also have seasons in our lives. One challenging season in my life was my first year of teaching. I was a first year teacher, a phrase that brings to my mind a picture of being thrown into the deep end and then just figuring out how to survive. I was also teaching overseas at a missionary school in the Philippines, so that added extra levels to how I was being stretched. And one vivid memory I have from that first year is a conversation I had with my mentor, Karen. I can picture exactly where we were when we were talking. I remember saying something like, do you think the fruit of the spirit is seasonal fruit? And I remember that I was both crying and laughing as I said it. And it's funny now because I don't remember the context or why I asked that question, but the memory came back as I prepared for today. Do you think the fruit of the spirit is seasonal fruit? Non-spiritual fruit is definitely a seasonal thing. Certain fruit grows in certain conditions. 
some fruit grows faster, and so it comes earlier after the weather starts to warm, like strawberries. Some fruits have a longer process, such as apples, and take longer to grow and ripen. And these seasonal conditions are predictable and have a rhythm and a pattern to them. When you read the list of the fruit of the Spirit, you might be tempted to feel lacking as you think about the traits that are less evident in your life at that time. But since fruit is seasonal, maybe it would be healthier to focus on what God is doing rather than what he isn't. I don't call late June not apple season. I call it strawberry season. We all have specific circumstances in our lives that can produce fruit with God as the sower and the gardener. I have felt for years that I'm not very good at being present in my life. I reflect a lot about the past, and my brain strategizes and plans for the future almost constantly. And these processes feel like my natural bent. But I know that I often miss what's available right now. I remember asking for prayer last fall that God would help me to be more present. And then Daniel got a new job that takes him out of town several days every week. And we're in a situation where we own land up north that we're trying to sell and nothing's happening. And it feels like my strategizer and planner brain makes no progress. It just burns itself out. And I'm stuck here waiting. And it's an answer to prayer about learning to be present. And it's hard. And I felt a new kind of joy at times. This is a little bit silly, but one moment when I feel it is when I'm petting our cat. It feels like taking a deep breath. She's so soft and she's so sweet and she purrs. And petting her isn't gonna have any future benefits, but it's just joy and being present. So I think right now is joy season for me. <laughs> That's one example from my life of how God is using my circumstances to produce a certain type of fruit. One thing that we can know about every season that we're in or entering into is that God is always present and faithful. We can trust that he is inviting us and producing beautiful things for his glory and our benefit. And when circumstances change, you will be doing the same work, even if it's a different kind of fruit. So I invite you to think about the season that you're in and where you're feeling God's invitation. Listening and hearing and responding are our themes this morning. And whenever communication happens, there's a distinct possibility that the message received doesn't exactly match the message that was sent out. The message that Jesus is sending us in this parable can be misheard, and I want to talk about that for a few minutes. If what we hear is not good news, then we need to stop and check if it aligns with Jesus' teaching. I don't know how many times I have read or heard this parable preached about in my life, but growing up in the church, it's been a lot. 
I still respond the way I responded as a child, with a wish to be the good soil. But how? I think my first response was to try to produce a harvest or crop or fruit, as described in the parable, because then I'd be the good soil. But I thought this was about multiplying myself by getting more people saved. And poor little shy child me, who wanted so badly to be good, found this overwhelming. I just couldn't see it happening. If I couldn't start producing a big crop of new saved people, then what could I do to try to be the good soil? If I couldn't, I, I must need to do what I do with a garden. I try to dig out the rocks and pull up the weeds. That must be the problem. And I want to say that the desire to have weeds rooted out is a good thing. Uh, think of the prayer in Psalm 139, 23 and 24. Search me, O God. Know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. Amen. That sounds like the prayer of soil that desires to be willing and plantable and soft and nutrient-containing. But if I read this parable and feel pressure to strive and fix myself and produce something and end up discouraged, then that is not good news. Looking at my garden and my yard, I sometimes don't even know where to begin with the weeding. And I know that I don't have the energy to tackle it all. So I joke that I'm encouraging the native plants to grow. <laughs> But the same is even more true with my life. I don't even know what's a weed, or if I started pulling, how to get out all the roots. I want to tell you about another ears-to-hear moment that I had with God, and it has to do with weeding. The context is I was feeling heaviness about this idea of having to weed my life. I'd been reading this parable repeatedly as I started to prepare for today. And I had a long conversation that day with a good friend, and we talked a lot about false teaching. It was a good talk, but it also left some discomfort because I don't honestly know that everything I think and believe is the way it actually is. In fact, I'm 100% sure that I don't have everything right. I woke up in the middle of the night thinking about a different parable that Jesus taught about planting and weeds. It's the one where a field has been planted with the desired crop, but people with bad intentions come during the night and sow weeds there too. The person who owns the field realizes what happened when all the plants start to grow. And this person ends up deciding to let the crop and the weeds grow together until the harvest and then separate them. So I woke up thinking about this parable. So guess where it came from, right? It came from God. And I felt what God was saying to me so strongly. It was almost like a punch, but a good punch. It brought tears to my eyes as I lay there in my bed in the dark. He was telling me that it wasn't on me to pull up every weed and figure out every single thing to make sure it was 100% right. He was saying, I'm not scared of the weeds. There will be weeds. I can see the good stuff. And in the end, the rest won't end up mattering. In his grace, he answered my trouble. And the answer was grace. Jesus' good news is that we are accepted and loved as we are. 
As I mentioned earlier, the sower throws out seeds into every area, regardless if it be considered good soil for growing. Another bit of good news that we can learn from this parable is that God is doing this work in us. We aren't passive, but we also don't bear the burden of making it happen all on our own. The soil can't produce fruit without the seed being planted. And God doesn't expect that. We do have a role. He invites us to listen. I'm going to make a foray here into a different book of the Bible. While studying parables, and this parable in particular, several of the authors and commentators mentioned the book of Isaiah. And as I said before, Isaiah was even quoted in Matthew. One said, one commentator said that the word seed would have made the people listening to Jesus think of Isaiah. So I was intrigued enough to look up several of the ref references, and I had my mind just blown when I read Isaiah 55. So be prepared, this might blow your mind. <laughs> uh, as I read it, I want you to think about how this book of the Isaiah the prophet was part of the shared story and culture of Jesus's audience. This passage would have illuminated what Jesus said in the eyes, in their eyes. And I also want you to notice the themes of listening, invitation, responding, what plants need to grow, God's words, and thorns. It also blows my mind that Heather picked a song that is like, come, come, because that's how this chapter begins. Isaiah 55, 1 through 13, is anyone thirsty? Come and drink, even if you have no money. Come, take your choice of wine or milk, it's all free. Why spend your money on food that does not give you strength? Why pay for food that doesn't do no good? Listen to me, and you will eat what is good. You will enjoy the finest food. Come to me with your ears wide open. Listen, and you will find life. I will make an everlasting covenant with you. I will give you all the unfailing love I promised to David. See how I used him to display my power among the peoples. I made him a leader among the nations. You also will command nations you do not know and peoples unknown to you will come running to obey because I, the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, have made you glorious. Seek the Lord while you can find him. Call on him now while he is near. Let the wicked change their ways and banish every thought of doing wrong. Let them turn to the Lord that he may have mercy on them. Yes, turn to our God, for he will forgive generously. My thoughts are nothing like your thoughts, says the Lord, and my ways are far beyond anything you could imagine. For just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. The rain and snow come down from the heavens and stay on the ground to water the earth. They cause the grain to grow, producing seed for the farmer and bread for the hungry. It is the same with my word. I send it out and it always produces fruit. It will accomplish all I want it to and it will prosper everywhere I send it. You will live in joy and peace. The mountains and the hills will burst into song and the trees of the field will clap their hands. 
Where once there were thorns, cypress trees will grow. Where nettles grew, myrtles will sprout up. These events will bring great honor to the Lord's name. They will be an everlasting sign of his power and love. There's so much there. I saw a couple of listens. My favorite is in verse three. Come to me with your ears wide open. Listen, and you will find life. We see that God is offering an everlasting covenant. That's like him saying, I will be there for you and with you forever. In addition to that invitation, we're invited to respond to him in these ways. Come, seek the Lord, call on him, turn to the Lord that he may have mercy. Turn to our God for he will forgive generously. It's funny to find these familiar verses about God's thoughts being higher than our thoughts in here, in their context. They lead right into verse 10. The rain and the snow come down from the heavens and stay on the ground to water the earth. They cause the grain to grow, producing seed for the farmer and bread for the hungry. Our daughter Paige was in kindergarten this year and they learned about plants. She learned that plants need soil, and light and water to grow. This verse brings even greater richness to our parable when we see that in addition to providing the seed, God also brings the water. And Heather picked, I think water has like been everything. Kate's testimony was water. So that also feels like a theme this morning. But in addition to being the water, he's also the light as we see in other scripture. So he just does it all. And verse 11 is exactly what we've been talking about. It's the same with my word. I send it out and it always produces fruit. It will accomplish all I want it to and it will prosper everywhere I send it. I might be tempted to think that I see his word not producing what I think it should. But then there are those verses about his ways being higher than my ways. He says his word always accomplishes its purpose. And I love verse 13. It feels so gentle and so triumphant to me. Where once there were thorns, cypress trees will grow. Where nettles grew, myrtles will sprout up. God will replace our thorns and nettles with cypress and myrtle. I read online that in ancient Israel, cypress represented healing, uprightness, evergreen, eternal life. They are long living trees that are able to endure harsh climates and poor soil. Myrtle is a slow growing fragrant tree that is always green with beautiful blossoms. You should look it up online. They're beautiful blossoms and a strong root system. Even when it is cut to a stump, its roots cause it to sprout again. It's a symbol of prosperity and represents God's blessings and abundance. So God replaces our thorns and weeds with beauty and fragrance and hope. So the thorns don't win. And verse 13 says, these events will bring great honor to the Lord's name. They will be an everlasting sign of his power and love. We can bring great honor to the Lord's name. We can be a sign of his power and love. We are invited. 
God is already doing this work in us and will produce much fruit as we listen and respond. I want to end by taking a minute for us to listen. What is God saying to you? I will read again the invitation from Isaiah 55, 3, and then you can assume any posture that feels good to you as you listen to God. Come to me with your ears wide open. Listen, and you will find life. If you heard something today, I encourage you to write it down or tell someone. If you didn't hear something today, a cool thing about parables and having ears to hear is that the insight might come later. The story is like a seed that looks the same for a while until something just pops. May we continue to listen and trust that God will bring fruit in the right season. Bonnie and I did not coordinate at all, but the Holy Spirit did. And the song we're about to sing is one of my favorite hymns, Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing. And I just have this beautiful image in my head of just gushing, overflowing, all-consuming water and blessings. And then the next phrase is streams of mercy never ceasing. There is a word in this song that I always like to explain before we do it, and it's Ebenezer. And I always think people are going to get distracted and think of Scrooge in the middle of this beautiful hymn. And an Ebenezer is literally the stone of help. You read about it in, in 1 Samuel, and it's a marker. It's a headstone of some, of you could say, but it's a stone to say, here the Lord helped me, I repented. I humbled myself, and this is how he showed up. And this is what, it's a great story, you should, you should read it. But when you get to that phrase, here I raise my Ebenezer, it's raising this marker of God's presence and movement and faithfulness in the life of those he calls and those he waters and plants. So I invite you to stand if you want. You don't need to, this is, this is a reflective song. So like Bonnie said, whatever your posture is, the Lord will meet you there.
from the fount of every blessing. Tune my heart to sing thy praise. Streams of mercy never ceasing. Call for songs of loudest praise. Teach me We're going to receive communion uh, at this time. Uh, and so I want to invite the, Julie and Greg and then Petey, are you back there still? He might have stepped out for a second. We're going to receive communion. And Jesus, when he sat with those that he drew and welcomed, he took bread and he broke it. And he fed them and he said, this is my body given for you. 
And so would you tear that in half for us, Julia? Thank you. And then he also took wine and he gave thanks to the Father. And he said, this, um, this is a toast. This is a cup. This represents my blood pouring out the forgiveness of sins that Jesus has the authority and the power and the goodness and the kindness to forgive sins. And he says, drink. And so Jesus welcomed those to come and receive. And so we welcome you. When you come and receive these elements, the bread and this, we love to be reminded of the Father who says, I welcome you and I want your company. That's the Father's heart towards us. And when you come and eat, it's in a way, in drinking, you're in the way saying, I receive your welcome and I welcome you. You welcome that gift. And so we invite you. The table is open for all to receive their welcome, as even as Bonnie beautifully shared with us today of the grace and the mercy of God that pours out upon us, that God is doing this work, all this work in us, and we are welcomed. And so we want to um, invite you to come and to receive, to be mindful of God's welcome of you, and as you eat, to be mindful of you are welcoming a good and gracious, loving God who pours and is causing all and is breathing life in you for God's good and the good of the world by God's doing. So we're going to have two areas. So Petey and I will be over here on this side. Julie and Greg will be on here on that side. And we invite you to step to the sides, to come up here, receive the tear off a piece of bread, grab um, a cup of juice, and to take and eat immediately. Like, you, I mean, you can sit with it if you would like to, but we're not going to have a moment. So just, it's for you to eat. Receive and eat. If gluten is an issue, we have gluten-free crackers right here in the middle, and so pass by and grab a cracker. But once you receive, eat, eat. And so we're going to come and receive these together Heather's going to continue just to play, and we invite you just to step to the sides, come on one side or the other, and, and step back to your seat. And then once everyone has received and eaten, Heather is going to continue to give us a chance just to respond to the welcome of God. So let me give thanks, and then we'll hand the juice and the elements. There's another two right here. So Father, Thank you for your goodness and your kindness. Thank you for those rainwaters of mercy. Thank you that you are the God who produces everything good, and we can receive. We praise you, God, for Jesus, the body and the blood given for us. Thank you, God. We pray in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.
sing that last line together. Above all else. Above all else, I adore your name. Above all else, tune my heart to sing your praise. What better way to praise than to join with all of the heavenly hosts in the phrase that we are given to sing in honor and adoration of the Lamb.
met together one more time with the company of great hosts. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was the Thank you, Bonnie. Thanks for your listening to the Lord, opening up the word for us, teaching, creating space for God to speak to wherever we are and remind us of God's goodness to bear good fruit in us. And so we pray that whatever you've heard, you've been able to hold on, maybe you share it with someone and know that God is up to good, even no matter how much you are aware of maybe the rough edges or the deep rough spots. God is up to good. Uh, uh, as our practice on this Sunday, we offer prayer. And we have some elders who just serve the community and we offer prayer. And so if you come in and hurting or your family's hurting and there was a heaviness, heaviness of maybe an illness or just a struggle, and you would love just to be able to share that. If that load feels too heavy for you, if you'd love to share it with another, to receive comfort and to care as receiving it from the Lord, we invite you just as we dismiss, pop up and we'll have some elders on to the side and pastors just to, just to receive and pray for you. And so come if that uh, is something as this closes, if you would like to receive a prayer to this morning. We, we thank you for joining and receiving today. Thank you, Heather, for leading us. May God bless and sustain you uh, as you go. Have a great Sunday.